So this is lesson two of our spring quarter. The title is The Letters to the Seven Churches. The scriptures covered will be Revelation 2 and 3, the Lord willing. That's a big chunk. And so our first section is we're going to cover Ephesus and Smyrna. So that is uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. How about I'll start off reading that one. Before we start, I just want to point out there's a pattern here. Each letter has a pattern. The Lord will address the letter. John is the Lord's uh, secretary. So the Lord dictates the letters to John who writes them, and he gives the address of the letter. He describes something about himself that is applicable to the church. Then he will always, always say he knows what is happening. That is, in every letter, he knows. Then he will commend them if there is something to be commended. He will rebuke them if there is something to be rebuked. He will give an exhortation of how to correct any issues, and then he will go on to give a uh, promised uh, reward for the overcomer. And he always ends it with uh, the admi admonition to listen. So that is uh, the pattern in these letters. So chapter 2, verse 1, to the angel of the church in Ephesus, remember the angel is the pastor of the church, who delivers the message to his congregation. The one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands, says this, I know your deeds and your toil and perseverance and that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles, and they are not, and you found them to be false. And you have perseverance and have endured for my name's sake and have not grown weary. But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. Therefore remember from where you have fallen, and repent, and do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you, and will remove your lampstand out of its place, unless you repent. Yet this you do have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will grant to eat of the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Okay, Church 2. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna write, the first and the last, who is dead and has come to life, says this. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich, and the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to cast some of you into prison, so that you will be tested, and you will have tribulation for ten days. Be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. Okay, so what stands out to you in those two? Okay, I'll tell you what stands out to me. Um, I will tell you. Yes. So in Ephesus, remember, Ephesus is a very famous uh, church. Ephesus, we have a letter to the Ephesians. Paul spent three years in Ephesus. And from there, 
the gospel went out all over that area, and probably these churches that are being uh, sent letters to were founded from people who were in Ephesus and then went home. Um, and so uh, Ephesus, you know, Timothy was the pastor of Ephesus when he received the letters First and Second Timothy. Um, you know, Dan has told us that John wrote his epistles from Ephesus. John was the bishop from Ephesus over all these churches. Ephesus it was a big deal back then. So um, Jesus starts out with his characteristics. He's the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand and the one who walks among the seven golden lampstands. So what does that imply about Jesus there? Yeah, Jesus holds the seven stars, which are the pastors, in his right hand. He walks among the seven lampstands. You know, I, th I think this is talking of intimacy. This is what they need. Yeah, and, and so as we read along further, this is what they have lost, is intimacy with the Lord. He As the head of the church, and so they do have a lot to be commended. In verse 2, he knows their deeds, your toil, your perseverance, that you cannot tolerate evil men, and you put to the test those who call themselves apostles. What is he talking about? They're putting to the test. When we hear a spiritual teaching, what are we to do about it? First John 4, 1, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. So when you hear someone speaking about the Bible, about the Lord, about, you know, and there's a lot out there, our admonition is to test that what they say against the Word of God and see if it is corresponds to that. And they were very good at that. They had tested these people who came into their church and said they were apostles, and they found out they were not because they didn't. Their message did not agree with the Bible. And, uh, you know, we are way too gullible today, in my opinion. Um, in churches, we easily accept what people say. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, we don't, there's no need to be gullible. We should not be gullible. But cynical on the other end of it, too, is nice place to live. Right. We want to do what the Lord says. Test the spirits, and then if they fail, say, sayonara. <laughs> I have an ODA. So those were, uh, and then verse 3 says, you have perseverance and have endured for my namesake and have not grown weary. Those are all good things. But then he goes on something very severe. I have this against you that you have left your first love. That's a big deal. Yeah, now, so, you know, Dane just preached on this last week. And, um, you know, I struggled with that. What does that mean for many years? But the Lord calls us to abide in him. And you have said that's checking in, right? Checking in. You need to spend time in his word. You need to spend time in prayer. And that creates a love relationship between you and the Lord that as that matures, 
it grows into a love relationship between you and the other people, the other believers. So it's a loving environment. So the church is a loving environment, and they had lost this, this uh, loving environment. And so they were just, you know, by the book, and um, the love was lost. And uh, so Jesus tells them how to correct that. Remember from where you have fallen. Because in the letter to the Ephesians, they were not like that. This is about 30 years later now. They were loving in the letter to the Ephesians, and they had that, that had grown cold. Yeah, you know, the, the focus must be out of faith. So anyway, he's telling them, to do the deeds you did at first, or else I am coming to you and will remove your lampstand out of its place. So the church will fail. It will go away. Uh, if um, they don't return back to the intimacy they had. Except for Smyrna. Smyrna is a very large city with a Christian presence still. Yeah. It's called Izmir. Izmir in Turkey. Yeah. So... Um, I have no idea. Yeah. So this is James 2, verses 15 and 16. This is the love that flows out of your love for Jesus. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace and be warmed and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? That's what had happened to the Ephesian church. They had lost that. Um, I have written down here John 15... 12. The upper room discourse is so useful. I mean, there's so much in there, and especially the section on the abiding in the vine. So, uh, John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. And so that is what, you know, if you're in love with Jesus, then it will be natural that you will love the other believers. That will come naturally. And that is what they had lost. And so Jesus is telling them to go back to that. He gives them one other, throws in one other commendation there in verse 6, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans. So the Nicolaitans were followers of Nicholas and thought maybe the one of the first uh, deacons. And they had developed into a Gnostic group or proto-Gnostic group where they felt they could sin with their bodies and it wouldn't affect their spirits, and so they did. <laughs> and they were involved in immorality and things like that, and Jesus doesn't like that. Yeah, and we'll see that one of the other later churches, in contrary to this, they accepted what the Nicolaitans were teaching. Yeah, no, the, the world doesn't see that deliberately. It is deliberate, deliberate on that part that they don't see that. And, you know, and that's part of the spiritual warfare that we're involved in. So anyway, we should, you know, freely say sin is bad. Okay. Sin is bad. Do we sin? Yes. When we sin is it bad? Yes. You know, when you sin, is it bad? Yes. <laughs> sin is always bad of any, of any variety, you know, homosexuality, lying, theft, killing, uh, pride, gossip, etc. All of it is bad. So, um, And we need to feel free to say that so all the time. 
There is not a white lie. No. That is a sin. So, uh, okay, so then he goes on to say, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, to the overcomer, and we know that definition, it's First John 5, 4, the overcomer is the one who believes in Jesus. Faith alone in Christ alone. That is the overcomer, because then you're identified with him, who is the overcomer. So this applies to the believer. I will grant to eat of the tree of life which is in the paradise of God. That will be cool. Okay, that's Ephesus. Okay? Yeah, I believe so. I believe it is the same tree. That's why That's why the Lord banned them from the garden, because he didn't want to confirm their sin for eternity, you know. So um, the tree... Yeah, by implication, they had not done it yet. You know, by implication from that statement, lest they the take from the tree of life. Yeah, so, um, yeah, that, you know, basically the tree of life appears again in the eternal state, uh, Revelation 22, which just goes to show you that as God's creatures, we are always dependent on him. We are never independent of him. He sustains us even in eternity. So, um, so Smyrna, Smyrna is one of the two churches that have no rebuke. And the other characteristic of the two churches that have no rebuke is they're the two churches that are under persecution. So persecution has a good effect on the Christian. Persecution purifies the Christian and the church. So the characteristics of Christ, he says he's the first and the last to Smyrna who is dead and has come to life. So that's important because some of them are going to die. They're going to be persecuted to death. So he says, I know, as he does to everyone, your tribulation, this is the persecution, and your poverty, they were extremely poor. They were not a little poor. They were very, very poor, abjectly poor. And then the blasphemy by those who say they are Jews and are not, but are synagogue of Satan. So this is an unbelieving Jewish synagogue that was persecuting them, a, a Gentile church. And Jesus says, now listen to this, you know, people who are facing death, do not fear. You're facing death. Do not fear. What a, what a benefit we have. Death holds no fear for the believer. I, I got kind of a bad radiologic finding, and I it made me think, do I believe this for sure? And I thought about it. <laughs> and, you know, it's just like it, it was very similar to when I started following the Lord and I, it, I went on for, it was a few weeks and I thought, is this real, you know? And I looked over the Bible, it was on my bedside stand, and I said, yes, it is real, look at that. Look at the history there, look at the, this is historical. Yes, it is real. It is a sin to fear. It is a sin to fear. It is a sin to fear. 
And sometimes you have to talk to yourself about that because you're like, yeah, I got to talk to myself about that and pray about it. Yeah, so Hebrews two fourteen and 15 says this about that. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and might free those who through fear of death were subject to slavery all their lives. There is no fear for us in death. And, uh, you know, yeah, a lot of people get mad at God when people die. That's the sinful nature working. That is the sin nature working. They're allowing the sin nature to take control. Now, will this guy be saved? Yeah, he'll be saved. He believed. But he's lost his usefulness until he turns back to the Lord again. You know, he's lost his usefulness. And we don't want to do that. Yeah, you know, in general, the church, you know, uh, is promised persecution. In the America, we don't believe that because we've had it so good for so long. Most of the church is persecuted. You know, look at the church in the Near East. Look at the church in the communist countries. You know, they're persecuted, things like, and they're purified by it, and they do well because of it. You know, look at the church in China. So he tells them to be faithful until death, and then you, you get a reward. I will give you the crown of life. That's one of the five crowns. You don't have to die to get the crown of life. James 1.12 tells you just uh, dealing with trials in a godly way will give you the crown of life. He will reward you that. And I want that. <laughs> I want that one. I want all of them, if I can get them. But, uh... <laughs> that's right. Okay, so that's Ephesus and Smyrna. All right? Oh. If the, for So to the overcomer, you will not be hurt by the second death. Thank you. So nobody who's an overcomer will go into the lake of fire. Okay, section B, Berg, Pergamum and Thyatira. Anybody want to read those two? That is uh, verses 12 through 29, chapter 2. Yay. Thank you. Thank you, Jana. Okay, so the Church of Pergamum. Now, geographically, these are a, kind of an upside-down horseshoe, starting at the coast and going up, and then north, and then toward the east, and then down. But Pergamum, Christ's attributes, he says he's the one who has the sharp, two-edged sword. The sharp, two-edged sword is God's word. So Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So that is an indication that their problem is they're moving away from biblical doctrine. That is the problem in Pergamum. Now, he says, I know, like he always does, I know where you dwell. You dwell in a rough place where Satan's throne is. So this is a very evil, wicked city. That would be like falling in the breath. <laughs> yes. Lord, they 
Vegas. Hollywood or Vegas for us. Yes, something like that. Um, it's a place where wickedness, you know, it, Satan's throne is. I, I believe that. I believe probably at that time that is where Satan was headquartered. Um, so, and then he gives the commendation. You hold fast my name. So, and you did not deny my faith. Even in the days of Antipas, my witness, my faithful one, was killed among you. So they they had a martyr in Pergamum, and they didn't fold. They continued to believe, and they continued to stick with Jesus. So that is a commendation. Then he goes on to give the rebuke. He has a few things against them. They are teaching the same thing Balaam was teaching. And what was Balaam teaching? Remember Balaam, Balak, the king of Moab, yeah, he contracted with Balaam to curse Israel because at this time, Israel was just across the Jordan ready to go into the land. And they had just conquered Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan. And when they conquered them, they had annihilated all the people and their animals. So they were doing what the Lord told them to initially. And uh, and uh, so Balak was afraid. These two kings and their kingdoms had been totally annihilated, and and uh, they had taken everything. And so, yeah. So and so he goes to Balaam. Balaam says, "Well, I can only do what the Lord tells me." And Balaam ends up blessing the Israel, I think, four times total. But Balaam did not stop there. He said, I've, I think there's a way you can get them, and that is to make them commit idolatry and, uh, you know, be sleeping with the uh, temple priest, <laughs> priestesses and stuff. So I can't curse them, but you can get them cursed. That's right. What, you know, you can have them irritate their God, irritate God to the point that he will execute them. And that's what, they, that's what Balaam did. And he did it by teaching Balak to put a stumbling block before the sons of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit acts of immorality. Yeah. And also remember that the Ephesians hated the deeds of the Nicolaitans, but Pergamum have some who in the same way hold the teaching of the Nicolaitans. So they were accepting this teaching about you can do whatever you want with your body and you can go have an orgy and it won't affect your spirit. So what they had failed to do was what the Ephesian church was very good at, and that is testing the spirits. They were not testing the spirits, and they were embracing false teaching. So Jesus' exhortation is, repent. Change your mind about these things, or else I am coming to you quickly, and I will make war against them with the sword of my mouth. You know, and you think, okay, what does that mean? That, you know, I think it means exposure. Exposure of sin um, and, uh, you know, like loss of reputation and things like that. He doesn't mention death here. But, um, so, but he's going to come to them quickly and use the sword of his mouth. Um, and so make war against them with the word. So in Romans 8, 28 
12 and 13, uh, it says this. For if, you're, if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. So remember, these are believers. Pergamum are believers. And Paul here is talking to believers. If you are living according to the flesh as a believer, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Um, sin in the believer will eventually lead to physical death. Then um, Deuteronomy 31 and 26 says this about that. Okay, 3126. Take this book of the law and place it beside the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, that it, that it may remain there as a witness against you. The Bible is a witness against, you know, his people who sin. And that's what was going on in Pergamum. So then Jesus tells the overcomer in Pergamum, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna, and I will give him a white stone and a new name written on the stone, which no one knows but he who receives it. You know, I think, and I learned this from my dear Pastor Dane, that I think that the hidden manna is like Jesus said, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The word of God is our spiritual food. It is our spiritual sustenance. And the white stone is like an invitation. Back in the Roman days, you got a little stone would be a ticket to an event. It's like a ticket to the kingdom and a new name written on the stone. Well, what is the new name? We see that all the time in the Bible. Saul's name was changed to Paul. Simon's name was changed to Peter. Jacob's name was changed to Israel, etc. You know, Sarai's name was named to Sarah. Abram's name was changed to Abraham. And so the name is changed to reflect God's aspiration for you personally. I think that's what that means. Yeah, that's the attitude all of us should aspire to, you know. Because God's servants are exalted eventually. You know, when it's time. When it's time, God will exalt his servants. So, um, something to look forward to. Okay, so Thyatira, we're doing good here. We're doing good, better than I thought we would. So, Christ's characteristics to Thyatira, they're a little frightening. <laughs> He's the son of God. You know, back in verse 1, it was like the Son of Man. He said, like the Son of Man. Here it says, the Son of God. So, talks about his deity, who has eyes like a flame of fire. So, fiery eyes are not comforting, <laughs> you know. And his feet are like burnished bronze. And that also speaks of judgment. So, Jesus depicts himself here as ready to judge. He is prepared to judge, and his eyes are burning <laughs> as he's looking at them, you know. Yeah, so and this characteristic of him is for the church of Thyatira. So they have commendations, though. He knows their deeds. 
They have love, faith, service, and perseverance. All very good things. And that their deeds of late are greater than at first. So they are growing in their discipleship. That is all very, very good stuff. And then he says, but, so there is a rebuke. I have this against you that you tolerate the woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess. And this is also something I learned from our dear pastor. By the time this book was written, AD 95, the office of prophet had closed. Because this is the last book of the canon. And getting direct revelation from God was over. Except for what John is getting right here. So if she's calling herself a prophetess at this point, she is a liar. You know? Just like people today who say they're prophets, they are liars. Yeah, so we don't know that. Maybe, you know, Jezebel, of course, was Ahab's wife, who was the daughter of Ethbal, the priest of Baal. And she she destroyed Israel, the northern kingdom. So why does Paul go on and worry about it? At the time that was written, it was not yet over. That was during the letter to the Corinthians, which is the second missionary journey. It was not yet over. Decades, yeah, but still, I mean, it's coming. It was not yet over. And so, yeah, yeah, there's there's you know there's controversy about this, but um, I agree with Dr. Andy Woods has written a paper on what is the perfect in 1 Corinthians 8 through 13. Paul, that's the chapter on love. Paul talks about. You know, all these things will cease when that, when the perfect comes. What is the perfect? And uh, his argument is that the perfect is the completion of the canon. And there are other possibilities that he disproves, and I can't remember what they are because I can't remember. <laughs> but the, the perfect is the completion of the canon, and that was when the sign gifts would cease. The sign gifts have ceased. Um, and uh, prophecy is one of those, as is tongues. So I, I think that's very reasonable in that, you know, my... Yeah, in the tribulation period, there will be many, many miraculous signs. Many, and many of them will be satanic. But it, it, the tribulation period will be full of miracles. Yeah, in the past, I've been called a prophet, and I accepted it, but... When, when you say that a prophet is someone who deceives, receives direct revelation from God on a par with Scripture, okay, no, <laughs> that's not true. So anyway, but, you know, I mean, we can, we can talk but about I that mean, later. And, yeah, and that's the doctrine of illumination, where we understand God's word. Anyway, this, this lady was not a real prophet, Jezebel. She was... Yeah, she was acting on her immorality and idolatry. In Pergamum, they were teaching it. In Thyatira, they were acting on it. And look at verse 21. It says, I gave her time to repent. She doesn't want to repent. That's the problem with us. We don't want to repent. So I will throw her on a bed of sickness and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation. This is not the tribulation period per se. This is local unless they repent of her deeds, and I will kill her children with pestilence. So that is the sin unto death. So, you know, 
but then Jesus goes on, he says, but I say to you, to the rest who are in Thyatira, so this is a split congregation. Some were involved in this, some were, the, they're probably the ones who are the deeds of love and faith and service. He says, I place no other burden on you. Nevertheless, what you have, hold fast. Okay, remember, we were told to hold fast earlier. Hold fast to what you have until I come. And that is abiding. When we hold fast, we are abiding in Christ. Now, there's here the to the overcomer, he adds something. This is the only church where he does this. He who overcomes and he who keeps my deeds. So the overcomer is the believer. The one who is the overcomer who is keeping his deeds is the abiding Christian, is the spiritual Christian, is the one Jesus is using now. That one, he will give authority over the nations. And he will rule him with a rod of iron. So part of our reward is authority in the kingdom, and that will be dependent on our abiding in him now. And then he says he will give him the morning star, which I think is Jesus himself. The last chapter of Revelation, he calls himself the bright morning star. Okay, so how are we doing? I think we're doing all right. Yeah, so, okay, well, so section C is Sardis and Philadelphia. This is 1 through 13. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds, that you have a name, that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. So, you know, these churches are wrecks, <laughs> aren't they? I mean, and, and for the most part, part these, are, these are examples of, of the, the church. church. Yeah, you know, so, yeah, so it makes you feel less bad about your church. So remember what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you'll not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life, and I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Then, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, He who is holy, who is true, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens, says this, I know your deeds. Behold, I have put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power, and have kept my word, and have not denied my name. Behold, I will cause those of the synagogue of Satan, who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. Because you have kept the word of my perseverance, I also will keep you from the hour of testing, that hour which is about to come upon the whole world to test those who dwell on the earth. I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have so that no one will take your crown. He who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God, and he will not go out from it any more. And I will write on him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down out of heaven from my God and my new name. He who has near, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Okay. 
So Sardis, Christ's characteristics. He has the seven spirits of God. Remember in chapter 1, the seven spirits of God were before the throne. And that was a seven-faceted Holy Spirit. So he has the Holy Spirit. And he has the seven stars again, which are the pastors. You want to mix those two together. Okay, so that gives you a hint of what's wrong in Sardis. You have a name that you are alive, but you are not alive. Jesus says, I know you. You have a good reputation, but it is not valid. <laughs> it is not a valid reputation. So he doesn't really have a commendation. What they need is the Holy Spirit, right? So he says, wake up and strengthen the things that remain. So not everything is dead. You know, we'll find out later that there are a few people who are walking with the Lord. For I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Now that immediately draws to mind something. Your deeds are not complete. You know, it's First Thessalonians 5, 19, very short verse. It says, do not quench the Holy Spirit. You know, if your deeds are not complete, that means the Holy Spirit is urging you and you're quenching it. Holy Spirit is saying, yeah, go, you should go this way. No, I don't, no, I'd rather not. That's the quenching of the Holy Spirit. And that's what they were doing. So remember what you have received and heard. Remember that when you believed, you have every spiritual blessing in the heaven, heavenly realms. You have the Holy Spirit. You have a new nature. You have eternal security. Remember what you've received and keep it and abide and be responsive to the, with your new nature to the Spirit. That's what he's telling them to do. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. So is a thief coming good or bad? I think this really helps you interpret these passages about the thief. When the thief comes at night unannounced, that's not a good thing. So he's going to come unexpectedly with a judgment, and he doesn't tell us when he's coming to this church. Yeah, if you knew, then you would, I don't know. Yeah. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. Okay, now that makes you think of Jesus washing the feet in the upper room. Remember the washing of the feet? Peter said, no, you'll never wash my feet, Lord. Jesus says, if I don't wash you, you have no part with me. He says, well, then wash everything. <laughs> and Jesus says something very important then. He says, Judas had already left, so everyone in the room was a believer. He says, you have already been bathed. You only need to wash your feet. Once you've been bathed, you are saved. But we still sin as believers, and you need to confess it. That's in you, you, your feet need to be washed. And that's what he's talking about here in verse four. You have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments. They were abiding. They're using First John one nine. You know they were confessing their sins as they went along, and they will walk with me in white. The others have the garments; they're dirty. So he who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments. That's the bathing. That's the belief. 
and I will not erase his name from the book of life. If you believe, your name will not be erased from the book of life. If you want to be rewarded, you want to wash your feet as time goes on. Yes, it's symbolic of our walk. And, uh, you know, because we all sin. I mean, I get irritated at my wife and I sin <laughs> against her. And she gets irritated at me. And she'll sin against me. It's, this happens. And we're believers. And, uh, you know, and, and we're all growing. Yes, and that's what we want to keep growing. So, um, so yeah, the the uh, the gift to the overcomer is that he will never be erased from the book of life. Okay, so the message to Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the other church without a rebuke. It is the other church that is persecuted. And Christ tells of himself, he has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, and who shuts and no one opens. So the key of David, there's a symbol. And so you want to look in the immediate context first. You look in the immediate context here. You do not see the interpretation of that. So you have to go back to Isaiah 22 to find the interpretation of that. And Isaiah 22, uh, Isaiah is the Lord is talking about throwing out one of the housekeepers. His name is Shebna. And elevating a housekeeper named Eliakim. And Eliakim was the um, like the butler over Hezekiah's house. Hezekiah was the king at the time. And he gave him the key of David. That's the phrase used there. He would give Eliakim the key of David, and what he would open, no one would shut, and what he would shut, no one would open. And so he's using that imagery of the butler who allows people into the palace or who throws them out. And if you look back to what Paul says in Acts, I don't have it written down here. No, it's in 1 Corinthians 16, the end of 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Paul said he's remaining in Ephesus because the Lord has created an open door for him for ministry, and there are many adversaries. So what this is speaking of is, he says, verse 8, I know your deeds, Behold, I put before you an open door, which no one can shut, because you have a little power. So this was a weak church. It was a small church, but the Lord had created a door for ministry to them, because they have kept his word and have not denied his name. So they were a church of believers who were actively growing. And then he talks about the synagogue of Satan, those who say they are Jews and are not, but lie. And that goes to his characteristic of being true. He said he is true. The Jews were creating a false impression that they were following God, but they were not. He says, I will make them come and bow down at your feet and make them know that I have loved you. So I, I think that can be taken in a couple of ways. One is perhaps some of these Jews in the synagogue were converted during that time, because this is written to the first century church in Philadelphia. But I think, you know, for us, this will happen in the millennium. The church started out as a Jewish entity that has become predominantly Gentile. And 
we, it will be revealed that the church is the bride of Christ now. And they will have authority over the nations in the millennium. And uh, so they will be an authority. So verse 10, I think I have a paper by a guy. It's on Greek grammar. It says uh, that is a dependent clause because you have kept the word of my perseverance. And he would move that into verse 9. Because keeping the word of his perseverance is a work. That's not why he did it. He did it due to the grammar. But it uh, it makes sense because the the rest of verse 10 is the rapture of the church. I also will keep you from the hour. You will not be in the hour of testing. So if the hour of testing is coming on the whole world and you're not in the hour of testing, where do you have to be? Off of the world, right? So that goes for the pre-tribulation rapture to test those on the who dwell on the earth. Then he says, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you come. There's that phrase again that Thyatira had, so that no one will take your crown. Then he who overcomes, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. He will not go out from it anymore. Okay, when we are raptured to Jesus, we're given our resurrection bodies. Shortly thereafter, during while we're in heaven, the marriage of the Lamb will take place. We will be the wife of the Lamb at that time. Well, the wife goes with the husband, right? So you're going to be a pillar in the temple of my God. You're not going, you're permanent. You're going where, where the Son of God goes. You are a permanent fixture. Okay, so let me finish this. So just finishing the message to Laodicea, to the angel of the church in Laodicea, write the amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this, I know your deeds that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth because you say I am rich and have become wealthy and have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are rich, wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I advise you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich and white garments so that you may clothe yourself and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed and I salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. Those whom I love I reprove and discipline, so he loves them. Therefore be zealous and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and will dine with him and he with me. That speaks of fellowship for the believer. He who overcomes, I will grant to him to sit down with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. There are two thrones, one in Jerusalem, one in heaven. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The end. Lord, thank you. Amen. <laughs>